Hello, and welcome to a different type of episode of Within the Mist. Recently, I participated in a broad discussion about cryptids, ghosts, and other mystery with Joe DeHoyas and his podcast, Beyond the Woodline. Joe is a very dedicated researcher specializing in Bigfoot encounters and hosts an interview podcast on Facebook and Spotify with other paranormal guests. I hope you enjoy this little taste of behind the scenes as Within the Mist goes beyond the woodline. And what is up, everyone? I'm Joe DeHorris. I am the host of Beyond the Woodline. And today we have uh, with us Gary. He is, uh, I keep wanting to say Beyond the Mist. It's within the mist. <laughs> I, I, dude, even when I was making the poster, I kept typing Beyond. I said, stop Beyond, this is within. I guess because I'm used to writing Beyond the well, Woodline. It's, it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat because both of our titles really match together. Right. I mean, you yeah. have Beyond the Woodline and we are within the mist. Pretty much covers that whole idea that what we're looking for is not in the right there in front of us. You have to go out for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where I kind of got the name Beyond the Woodland. Like I was telling you uh, before we came on, uh, I did the whole Bigfoot thing. That's what started me into all this stuff. Um, so when I started doing that, and I started to say, you know what, I need, I, I want to get into more of the paranormal, more into UFO stuff. Uh, so for me, beyond the woodline is what made sense, you know. Absolutely. You know, and uh, um, we so uh, yeah, yeah. So is, is is that what kind of you got the your name from? Well, yeah. Um, for us, it was like there's always these shadowy stories that you hear. Right. Um, you get a little bit of it. A friend of a friend tells you something, but when you go into the mist and you actually search out those shadows, you can find there's a great deal more to the story. Right. So that's kind of what we do. We we get a tidbit, we start going down the rabbit hole, and right. before you know it, we have you know multiple uh, sightings of ghosts, cryptids, or other mysteries. So that's mm -hmm. what we do. We look in the shadows. Yeah, and, that, and that's you're going to find the best <laughs> stuff, you know. And it's it, it's funny. I I recently met a friend of mine uh, who's very much into the UFO stuff, but on their own, more or less. They're not necessarily researching. They're doing it for the you know for their own. Uh, I guess validation and, and justifications of what they're seeing, and so now when I go out, man, I'm always looking up in the sky, always looking in the sky because you're not gonna find nothing looking in the ground, you know, for the most part, unless you're out in the woods looking for tracks. But if you're just out in the city or even in the countryside, if you're not looking up in the air, you're not gonna see a UFO. And uh, well, what's neat is is that you can go and I grew up in uh, Madison, Ohio, a small town. And then I had joined the military and traveled around for the next 20 years. And every place I ever went to, there's always some part of the woods, some house, some area that has a story to it. So um, it's easy to go around and find those. So, right. yeah, you can find it up in the sky. You can find it in an empty building. You can find it in the wood lines behind the building. So right. you just got to keep your eyes open. Yeah, so what like got you in, in involved in this genre, if you will? Okay, um, pretty much I started out because I'm a geek. And uh, I'd always been a fan of stories. Growing yeah. up, you know, bedtime stories and books. I was an avid reader and so forth. 
then uh, Dungeons and Dragons kind of came out when I was like nine. Uh-huh. And I had I've been given a monsters compendium book, and that pretty much describes all the creatures, gives you all the stats and stuff, which was really fascinating. So I started reading all those. You know, they talked about dwarves, elves, and bugbears. And then someone came to me and said, "Do you know those actually exist?" And I was like, "What?" And then they took me into our library and showed me this one little section that had you know books about the supernatural stuff. And so I started reading about all these encounters and stories. And in fact, started reading all this background information of stuff that even happens in Ohio, the Loveland Frog, the Grassman. And then I really got hooked when I started reading articles about the Mothman. Because the Mothman, the Silver Bridge, connects Ohio to West Virginia. And so all of a sudden, all of my fictional stories all were based on a true story. So that really got me hooked. And like I said, once you start reading about these, you may start in one subject. And before you know it, you're in a rabbit hole about another subject, about another subject, and the whole world opens up to you. So that's kind of what I find myself as, is more of an avid reader, librarian type of collecting folklores and urban legends. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like what I did, because like I said, uh, I just wanted to start learning more about, you know, the paranormal and UFO stuff and uh, different cryptids for that matter. And, um, you know, when people are out in the woods, they claim to see Bigfoot cloaking or jump through portals and, and what have you. And I necessarily don't subscribe that Bigfoot itself does that, but I do believe that there are other entities out there that, that, that people are actually seeing. And I'm not, and I would never call anyone a liar or say that's not what you saw, but that's just my opinion that that's, what I think they, they did see, you know. And, um, and this is but, true. I, yeah, we are they, very careful not to call anyone a liar because right. to them, what they saw is true. Right. I mean, right. you and there is, to most of these people, there is no way to convince them otherwise. You could right. say, oh, it was a weather balloon or it was a man in a suit or you were drunk. Right. Them, re- perception is reality. Right. Or tell them that they saw a bear, you know, in areas that there are no bears or the right. bears don't certainly don't run on two feet for 200 yards, you know, at lightning quick speed, you know. And, um, so, yeah, you know, I, I would never call anyone a liar, but I, I have my own opinion. And I, I, as long as I, as I keep it respectful and they keep it respectful, then there shouldn't be any issues with that. You know, at least that's what I think. I agree. Um, yeah. Let's see who has... I used to believe that there were not dimensional beings until I started working with Outpast Paranormal and you are in the presence of beings and your camera equipment starts acting funny and batteries start to drain. There is something more to this entity than biology. And I agree with you to a certain degree. I, 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 and I wish I knew who you were. Um, but I also know for, I say know for a fact, but I've heard rumors that there are, uh, agencies that can mess with your equipment and i've uh man, i don't want to say too much because i hate to put the government on the spot and get a mark on my back but I, I i think there are people agencies that have equipment that can mess with your equipment and you would think automatically well this is what's causing it and i say that because um a friend of mine who had an encounter, we talked about that right before we came on the air. Um, he ran into a guy out in the woods 
uh, out in the freaking middle of a dirt road. And he took him directly to this place where he had his encounter. He goes, oh, you guys want to see a Bigfoot? I'm going to take you to go see it. He took him out there, right? And these guys were scared shitless, except for him. Okay. He wasn't worried about one single bit. And not only that, but they recorded him because they recorded the conversation that they had with him. His voice did not come out on that recorder. Really? Yeah. Yes. His voice did not go out, come out on that recorder. He knew where these uh, Bigfoot were at. And when we've gone out there, or we've had equipment fail, we bought like two brand new packs of 16 pack AA batteries, and none of them worked. We got back to the, uh, my friend's house, and they worked. So I don't think that these entities, the, the Bigfoot, do this. I think there are people out in the woods. Either they have equipment out there to mess with your equipment, or they're out there themselves and they're waiting to see you. And then exactly. Well, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's not just governments nowadays that have equipment that can interfere with you know your recordings and stuff. I mean, that's why we have the term trolls. Right. Uh, any right. individual can go into any electronics store and buy equipment that will interfere with you. So those who want to hide what they see and you know, keep it to themselves, could also be involved in that kind of an activity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I totally agree with that too, man. You know, but uh, again, I'm not going to call anyone a liar or say that's not what happened to your equipment, you know. And I just don't think Bigfoot itself does that, but I think there are other entities <clears throat> out there uh, that are jumping through portals and cloaking and disappearing before people's eyes. And I've known good, good people, family members, you know, the that have told me, no, these things disappeared. I've seen it disappear. Uh, one of my cousins uh, told me they were on their grandpa's land, and there was like 20 of them. They were younger kids, and they saw it, and they followed it, and it, it's, as they're looking at it, that it just vanished, just disappeared. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the whole story behind Skinwalker Ranch, right, that yeah. it's a portal mecca. Yeah, 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 yeah there's something going on there. Consistently. Yeah, and, you know, and, and uh, I told him, too, that... Uh, this is my buddy Ken. He, he's the one who made that statement earlier. He he knows I love him. Okay. Um, but uh, um, he uh uh, he, he told me he says no, Joe. This is what I saw. We all saw it. There were like twenty of us there. We all saw it. You know. But he had they had actually seen it on their property. You know, quite a few times also. You know, and uh, you know, I mean, he saw what he saw, and he had witnesses there with him that saw it too. So, you know, I, I'm not gonna stay with him. You know, that's gonna stay with him forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about you yourself? Have you had any paranormal activity or, or experiences? No, actually, I am very boring. I am the guy with his eyes wide open and never sees squat. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Uh, I because, you know, I'll collect all the data, get all the research, do everything right. But I'm just uh, a jinx or something like that. Uh, I have not. Everyone around me has. And yeah. I'm quite open to it. It just hasn't happened for me yet. Yeah. Well, my first paranormal experience um, was I just turned 50 earlier this month, uh, November 2nd. Um, oh, happy birthday. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Scorpio was rule, too, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, uh, my first paranormal experience wasn't until I was maybe 42, 43 years old. Even though I had always believed in it and always knew it. Uh, we moved into a house, and uh, I mean, with like the first couple of days, I felt somebody sitting on the bed, you know. Okay. Um, I felt, uh, and I know who this is. This is Dr. William Lester. 
he's a good guy, man. Good, really good guy. If you have any, to have any show, if you ever need a guest, I would see up there. Yeah, uh, he's a doctor in uh, anthropology, as a matter of fact. Um, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I felt somebody sitting on a bed. Uh, one time I was like maybe like six o'clock in the morning, getting ready to go to work. I used to go in at seven o'clock, and I felt somebody like jab me in the ribs. You know, you know, you've had somebody poke you in the ribs before, or you poke somebody oh, else yeah. in the ribs. The same exact sensation, you know. My kids too. They've all had. They were all like tapped on their shoulder. My daughter one day was she was there playing her video game, and I seen her do like that. And she turned around to look at me. I was I had just came into the house from work, and she looked at me like that, and she was like, she was like, uh, she had that look like she wanted to tell me to stop, but she knew right. I was standing way too far from her to do it, you know. <laughs> so she, she started, was sure it was you, but she was also sure it wasn't you. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, we had a pretty good EVP one night. Uh, she saw a black shadow go from one corner of the room to the other corner, you know. Wow. Uh, would come on by themselves. Yeah. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a fun house, man. Nothing really scary. Um, here, I, I'm telling you everything about it. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Actually, this is the stuff I live for. Yeah. Uh, uh, one night I woke up and it was like man, two o'clock in the morning. I woke up, I saw a black figure standing next to my bed, and it moved towards me. And I threw a kick at it, you know. I said, right. I said "Get back, motherfucker!" <laughs> you know, well, like I mean, there's I was, a lot of stories about night hags, and you yeah. know, that's how they come on is you know coming in the through the shadows, and then all of a sudden you feel this physical presence on you, generally on your chest, right. as they're pushing you down. So, I mean, there's been stories about night hags all the way past the medieval times. So that yeah. kind of a sensations, those kind of experiences are well documented. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know that you know that shadow figure or whatever you want to call it. I got scared. You know what I'm saying? After I replayed it and I've been replaying it for years and years, I'm like, I'm the one that got scared. I'm the one who freaked out. It never moved aggressively towards me or did anything to me. You know, I guess if it wanted to, it it surely could have, you know. Right. And there's always that potential. But when you're when that adrenaline's running and you're, you're actually experiencing it, that yeah. doesn't come across. It's when you're back at home and you're like, I could have been in trouble. Right. Um, so where, where, where have you gone to check out to investigate? Um, generally, there's a uh, we've done the uh, Castillo uh, house in uh, St. Augustine. Uh, St. Augustine in and of itself is pretty much uh, ghost central with the number of uh, people who have lived and died in the city. And then we've also done some exploring around the, oh, I'm going to make sure I pronounce this right because I don't want to get in trouble. The uh, Marino uh, Museum in Key West where Robert the Doll is kept. Hence why I have to make sure I say it right. I don't want to be getting uh, Robert upset with me. Mm -hmm. um, so done a couple of different little areas. But most um, of the time, we try and uh, focus on, uh, you know, the cryptids, the uh, unex undiscovered animals, because there's been a lot. I mean, you look at it, uh, the gorilla was only discovered less than a century ago. The coelacanth right. was supposed to be extinct and fishermen right. started pulling it up in the 1920s. I think we have a better opportunity of discovering something that's never been seen before than anything else. Right. Yeah. Um, have you actually gone out into certain areas to uh, investigate or do any kind of research with uh, cryptids? 
Um, yeah, I've been to the areas of where uh, the Miyaka skunk ape has been in uh, southern Florida. Okay. So uh, I believe that, you know, we you hear sounds and so forth, you know, different howls and the different sticks breaking on woods, but yeah. nothing I could do conclusively. Right. Yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes, you know, sometimes you're just out there camping and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. <laughs> That's yeah, but as we've been doing our show, every time we do an episode, it's like we put a new pin in a in a map of some place we want to go visit. Right. Yeah. So where are you at? Are are you actually in Florida? Yeah, actually, I live in uh just outside of Orlando, so just outside of the Mouse of House. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, my daughter lived outside of Jacksonville for a while. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I forgot what little small town it was, but she lived out, outside of Jacksonville. And uh, gotcha. And, yeah, now she lives all the way in California. She made a drive all the way out there to me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. See, I was born in Ohio, but I can't handle the cold weather anymore. So, yeah. uh, when I retired yeah. from the military, I just decided I was picking someplace warm and ended up in the middle of Florida. Happy Veterans Day, man. Thank you a lot for your service. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. This is being done on Veterans Day. Oh, yeah, thank man. you. Hey, thanks a lot, man. You know, my son is a Marine. He's, he'll, he'll be oh, getting out in three months. Yeah. 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 Yesterday was the uh, Marine Corps' uh, birthday. Yeah, man. Yeah, he he had a blast. Uh, <laughs> they usually to, do. He had uh, uh, Ted Nugent played at their base. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, Ted, yeah, Ted Nugent played there. You know, he's a big supporter of the military. Um, and that's a neat thing about the military as well is that you know there's so many battlefields and a lot of ghost stories. Uh, you know, take place in those locations. I mean, Gettysburg alone has, you know, almost 20 different ghosts there, stories that exist just in that one location. But you could go to any famous battlefield and talk to the historians there and they'll tell you, you know, oh, there's a soldier that's, you know, comes riding through the hills, at, you know, on the certain nights and so forth. So I think the emotions, the raw emotions and the drama and the fear and the death that occurs on battlefields themselves focuses a lot of paranormal activity. Right. Yeah. Uh, of course, here in Texas, there were quite a few battles here in Texas, you know, throughout the years. And not just, you know, the Civil War, but also like with Mexico and you know, Spain. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, activity throughout Texas. You know, I think there's a lot more activity than what people think. And go back to the Bigfoot thing. I think there's a lot of paranormal activity that gets thrown in there and then people mistake for Bigfoot. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. a, a nice thing about uh, uh, Texas is that I used to be stationed in San Antonio. And oh, that right. is where, you know, the Alamo is. Right. And, of course, there's so many ghost stories about, you know, the reenactment of the Alamo going on on certain nights. Right. Yeah, that, that that whole area, yeah, all the way around San Antonio, there's a there's a lot of uh, battlefields in that whole area. You know, the battles took place. It wasn't just in the Alamo. You know, there was a lot of True. fighting. I mean, all the way uh, past Houston, which is you know, it's, you know, the San Jacinto, where they had the final battle with Mexico. Uh, right. Right. So yeah, Texas has uh, seen a lot of uh, tragedy. Um, well, and it also has a lot of the Native Americans, you know, being moved and, you know, a lot of tragedies that occurred to them throughout the years that kind of focuses some of their uh, natural energies into those places, too. Yeah. And, you know, uh, another great place to probably go to uh, would be like New Orleans. 
I mean, how much stuff has this New Orleans seen the city? You know, I mean, everything from pirates to mobs to, you know, voodoo uh, and voodoo. Yeah. You know, that. Yeah, actually, we're going to, we're visiting some family in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you ever hear the podcast, you'll definitely hear the Cajun accent. My wife, uh, she was (laughs) raised in Louisiana. So uh, we're going next weekend to visit some family. So, yeah, we're going to be checking out some spots as well. Okay, cool, cool. What does y'all's family think about you know you guys doing this podcast and doing this stuff? And... Um, well, my brother is really cool with it because he has actually seen a uh, driving home one night with our aunt. He had seen a UFO, or you know what he believes is a UFO, because he saw a light that moved, you know, abnormally. My daughter's really enjoys it because she's seen things in the woods that she couldn't explain. Like I said, everyone around me sees it. It's just I seem to miss it every time. So they've all been great supporters. And like I said, I'm always the one that has the answers. They said, well, I heard something in the woods. Well, you know that area of the Pine Barrens is where the Jersey Devil is said to be exist. And then they'll, be, they'll describe it and say, this is what the story was behind it. All my family come to me because I seem to have all the answers or I can fill in the, the blank spots of what they've experienced. So it's kind of been a running joke that they're the Buffy squad and I'm the Giles. So I'm the guy who's oh. the librarian of the of the whole story, go. and they're the ones that are actually having the adventures. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm always the guy that uh, people contact, like whether it's family or friends or coworkers, and you know, they'll uh, they might make fun of me, which is all you know, good fun, you know, whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, they poke. Hey, did you find Bigfoot this weekend? Every every Monday I come to work. Did you find Bigfoot this weekend? But you know they were all uh, my uh, well, my one friend in particular. He was he was always giving me a hard time, but he would always be the one to pull me to the side and ask me questions to tell me his experiences and stuff like that. You know, that's like usually that. how it works. Is the one that you know is the most vocal disbeliever is actually the one that has the experience that they believe the most. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, well, that one co-worker in particular, he uh, he had a friend who lived up near the same Houston uh, forest who had a dog whipped in half. Oh no! And, yeah, he had he had three dogs, and uh, he called me one day. He goes, "Hey man, I want to talk to a friend of mine. He lives out there, you know, near the same Houston." And uh, he came home, and one of his dogs was torn in half. I'm like, really? Yes, yeah. So we set up a meeting, and I went to go talk to the guy. Uh, uh, he was like, he's like, I don't know if it's a gator or not. And I said, well, you know, do you live near a creek? He's like, yeah, I live near a creek. I said, how much water is in that creek? And there goes Walter. Yeah, I don't think I ever told Walter this story. Well, yeah, Walter, I'll take this. You'll you'll hear it now, Walter. Um, <laughs> so he lived near a creek, but there's no water in this creek. It was it was always dry. And uh, I said, well, you know, a gator wouldn't just tear a dog in half and leave. Right. So we started talking about it, and he's like, and I asked him, I said, tell me about this dog. You know, what was special about this dog? He says, he goes, that dog was my alarm dog. Out of the three dogs, this was the dog that would bark at, at anything it saw. You know, and he would he, he had them all chained up because otherwise you know, they'd take off running the woods. So it had nowhere to go. And when it was dead, it was dead right next to the doghouse. So it wasn't like the chain was, you know, was was, was pulled taut or anything. And, um Whatever killed it killed it right there at at, at the doghouse. And I said, I said that's probably what happened. He's, he was barking at these things, giving them away, and they were like, "Okay, we'll shut this dog up," <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, uh, those are the kind of stories my wife uh, 
you know, she gets freaked out the most. She's one of those, uh, you can do anything you want in the movie, but if you kill the dog, then it, it's over. So, uh, right. we, we had just did a story about the grass man and I had to be very careful because one of the, uh, stories, you know, involves, uh, you know, the family dog running after it and then they finding the dog later, right. you know, basically broken in half. Right. And it's, it's tough because, you know, these dogs are there protecting us, but they're very much outmatched by what's out there in the woods. Yeah. Hey, Walter, uh, if you're listening to the show, can I tell him about the hog? You're, you're the one that found the hog. Can I tell him about it? Just uh, give me a thumbs up or just say yes. But um, so Walter, he's the guy that I told you that, that, that had the encounter where we went and uh, he saw the nine and a half foot one. <laughs> Walker's such a great guy, man. He uh, he's uh, he's a marine, former marine, also. Um, right. Yeah, um, yeah. He says yes, sir. So Walker went out to do his air because we'd always leave recorders and cameras out there, which we still do to this day. We've got some really good audio, man. I need to send you some of this stuff. I've got branches breaking, snapping. We've got a pretty good growl. We heard this growl. It was in January of this year, which I don't know if you know, but here in Texas, we had a really cold winter this year. Okay. You know, and people when they were here, they were like, "Man, that sounds like a gator," but them gators are now, you know, not 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 as cold as weather. But right. I, I, I need to send you that that uh, that report. That was a, a crazy growl. And um, oh, but you know, Walter went to go check on some cameras one day, and he and he he took a picture. He had the picture of the hog with no head on it. Something ripped his head off. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Was it yeah. ripped or was it like bitten or cut or was it just like basically? Grabbed with two hands and pulled. It, it was definitely ripped off. It wasn't cut. Wow. It was yeah. It was ripped. You know? so imagine so, the kind of strength in that. Yeah, yeah. Even though it, it was a big hog, and, and you know, I've I've killed you know 150 pound hogs, which aren't as big as you would think, but they're still 150 pound hogs. You're not ripping that that damn thing's head off, you know. No. Yeah. And they're they they have quite a temper themselves. So yeah, they're not they aren't the little you know. Bacon on four legs that you would think they're they can bite and they can hurt someone pretty bad. Oh, they, oh, they can kill you. Yeah, um, we had a lady uh, outside of Houston this year, or, or with, at least within the year, she got killed by some hogs. Wow. Yeah, yeah that reminds yeah. me. Uh, my first field exercise when I was stationed in Germany, um, we would set up a camp. We were on the post, but we were out in the field area, and they told me, "Do not go out there at night by yourself." And I'm I'm thinking, you know, why this sounds silly because, you know, we're on post. There's no real danger, no problems with that. And they said, no, because there's pigs out there. Yeah. And I'm from Ohio. OK, I've been around pigs. It's not that big of a deal. And it wasn't until that morning when, you know, I woke up and we were coming outside of the tent. I saw what they meant by pigs. I mean, these were 200 pounds German tusk bearing razorbacks. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of understood then why I wasn't supposed every, to go out at night by myself. Every single person I've talked to that, that was stationed in Germany has a hog story. It's so funny. Well, the thing is, is that Grafenvir is the depot where they get rid of MREs. And if you're not really familiar with MREs, they're really yeah. high calorie. Right. So when you put those in a dump and the pigs can get to that dump, I mean, they are very well fed, so they grow to enormous sizes uh, in Germany. So uh, they actually have hunting clubs that specialize in just hunting down these boars. Okay. 
They have that here in Texas. They actually have a place you can go near uh, College Station where uh, A&M is at. Uh, you can get on a helicopter and go shoot them. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See, cool that's, what, that's what I'm, I'm sure it's going to be an incident like that where someone's going out hunting for something else and they're going to run into the, uh, you know, the Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And then they're going to have to make that decision. Do I let it go and then just have a story or am I going to actually shoot, kill and get the physical proof? That's going to be a hard decision for someone to make someday. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've talked to people who, who have shot them, you know, uh, I, I think I'm nearly every single one of them were in fear of their life. You know, you, you, know, you shot it, you know, whether it was uh, necessarily aggressive towards them or not, but they were scared enough to where they pulled the trigger. And, and that's one of those things too, but I won't judge anyone. You know, if uh, you, if you're scared enough, you know, uh, any human being will do whatever they got to do to defend themselves. And uh, so I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll never judge anyone who, who pulls the trigger on one of these things, you know. Well, Unless I mean, you're just out there looking to cold-bloodedly kill one. It's a whole different well, yeah. thing. But, um, well, I mean, you hear stories about, of, what is it? I think there's 1,400 people disappear in uh, public uh, parks and right. you know systems like that every year. So yeah. where what are happening to these people? Yeah, some of them are hunters <laughs> who yeah. have weapons on them, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. I, I, uh, I love the whole crypto stuff. And here in Texas, we actually... Have a big uh, uh, dogman uh, experiences and encounters here, you know. So um, that's that's pretty cool. I think I, I've never seen one, or at least I think I've seen one. But well, I think the dogman is a rapidly growing cryptid. A number of cases of people seeing not a werewolf, but an actual dog man has right. been increasing. Like Michigan is, uh, I think they've had like twenty different stories come out of of this year. Of sightings yeah. of a dog man, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I wish Walter. We need to jump on here, Walter, so you can tell your your story about your friends. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that dog man's have have some uh, some pretty cool stories here, man. And, and even there's a couple here in the San Houston. There's even more in the Davy Crockett, and that's an, that's an area that I, I really want to go check out. Davy Crockett, which yeah. is a little bit further north. The San Houston is like an hour north of Houston. David Crockett is like two hours north of Houston. Okay. And what's really neat about the Dogman is that, uh, you know, the stories of Dogman go all the way far back as Egypt. I mean, you think of Anubis and those, the gods had dog heads. Marco Polo on his trip to from Italy to China wrote about meeting a tribe of dog headed people that, you know, helped him on his trip along. So there have been stories about, you know, dog-headed people in Europe, in China, in Egypt. So it wouldn't be surprising that they now are starting to pop up in North America. So you said you were in San Antonio. How long ago was that? I was there 91 to 93. Um, Do you remember a town called Converse? Yes. Okay. I actually lived in outside. I, I lived in Universal City. Okay. I live... Man, five minutes from Randolph, we could hear Taps, nope. Reveille, uh, the national anthem. So I, so I, so I lived in Universal City uh, for a couple of years. But right next to Universal City is uh, Converse. You know they have the uh, the Converse werewolf. Have you heard of that? No, no. Yes. Uh, yeah, Google it, man. If if you, you can find it. So when I was out there, I was working with a guy, and I saw him. He had a Bigfoot shirt on, and I was like, you know, I said, dude, what's up with your shirt? You know. 
And he told me, oh, man, me and my dad were into the whole Bigfoot thing. We love watching all the shows. So right away, I told him, I said, dude, I, I go out looking for Bigfoot. I research or whatever. And he goes, dude, have you ever heard of the Converse Werewolf? I'm like, no. He said, yeah, man, they told us about that when we were in school, like in elementary. And I said, well, what happened? So I looked it up. And I think it was like in the 1820s or 1880s, um, a farmer out there in Converse, he sent his son out to go hunting. His son came back and said, Dad, there's a monster out there or something scared him. And his dad goes, there's nothing out there. You're just scared. You need to go out there and finish your hunt. You know, Kid never came back. Um, like the next morning or, the, or maybe even two, two days later, but not very, very much longer. Uh, the father gathered a couple of guys with him. And they went looking for his son and they found his son. But when they found him, uh, they found a creature that was hung, that was hunkered over him, eating, eating away at the kid. And they described it as a werewolf and they tried to shoot it, but they said it was moving way too fast for them to shoot. I see. And yeah. see, yeah, like I said, every town, there's going to be, you know, a legend that, uh, you know, will suck you in. And then once you start reading into it, yeah, more and more comes out. So yeah. you, and, you and, figure it, you know, there's like a thousand stories every year come out of about, you know, something paranormal. If only one of those is true, right. that proves that paranormal exists. Right. You know, it's just, just like with all the Bigfoot tracks, there's thousands and thousands of Bigfoot yeah. tracks every year. If one of them is real, then the creature's real. Exactly. And like yeah. all the hair samples that get found, if just one can be proven to belong to, you know, something between man and ape, bam, that's all you need. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I was trained to talk when I wasn't talking about the uh, the dog man, but uh, but yeah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. It's you know, um, I, I like listening to and finding out that different towns have their own creatures. You know, um, I was lucky enough to go to the uh, Arkansas Falk, Falk Arkansas. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and I actually got to go into the Crabtree property. Uh, I don't know if you remember the Crabtrees, but they were one of the families that were shown in the, the Legend of Boggy Creek. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I got to go on their property and, and go check it out. Uh, there's a, a story in the book about they have a skeleton. <laughs> and they never say what the skeleton is, you know. Uh, but very, very few people have ever seen this skeleton. And I got I was fortunate enough to look at it. It is the creepiest looking skeleton that you've ever seen. It's okay. got these big, long looking fingers with these knobby knuckles, you know. I was like, well, what the hell is this damn thing? And it still stunk. It, you could still smell it. It was still, yeah. They got it like in this big glass case. And, um, but what it, what, what it was was a tiger. Oh. Wow. And, you know, creatures look so weird when they don't have their muscles and tissues or skin on yeah. them. You know? Yeah, you know, have you ever seen like a, like a hippo skull or a rhinoceros skull? It looks like some kind of prehistoric monster, you know, if you didn't know what you were looking at. Well, I mean, that's where the whole legend of dragons came from. Right. You would have all these people finding dinosaur bones, and then they would just, you know, imagine the kind of creatures that, you know, you had these kind of dinosaur bones, and bam, before you know it, dragons existed. So we always want to fill in the blanks. Uh, that's why it's important that, you know, we do complete scientific checks on everything. Yeah. 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 Um... Yeah, so we got to go. Well, I got to go to the the, the Crabtree property. A, a friend of mine, uh, uh, he knew the Crabtrees and uh, the widow, so I was able to go on there and, and check it out. And uh, I was like one of the last people, if, if not the last person, to go onto the property because shortly after that they sold it. So, okay. 
Yeah, so that was, well, that was you were very cool. lucky then. Yeah, yeah. That's a very cool story for you to have. Yeah, and of course, going to the Monster Mart, which is a famous uh, little convenience store. It's pretty cool. They got cash and stuff there. The whole town really is it's just a cool little area to go visit if you ever get a chance to. You know, it's, it, it's one of the meccas of, uh, of, the, of the big folk world. And probably the other mecca would be uh, Bluff Creek. Oh, where, uh, yes. You know, yeah, Patterson and Gimlin filmed their yep. uh, patty. So what do you think about that film, the Patterson Gimlin film? Do you have an um, opinion on that? To be un- unfortunate, I mean, the technology is so outdated that it, there's no way to prove it one way or the other. The important thing to know is that it sparked so much interest and so much debate that the topic of Bigfoot and whether he exists or not would never have been uh, as vocal as it is without that film. So if it was a fake, it had a positive effect on the field. If it's true, then you know it's only a matter of time before we can repeat that film and repeat it with better technology to prove it. So I'm. I think it's a positive either way. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a, a gentleman by the name of Bill Munns. He's actually worked like on the original Planet of the Apes and the Planet of the Apes with Mark, with Mark Wahlberg. He was a costume right. designer. Right. Okay. I, I see. Yes. And he tried yeah. to recreate the uh, suit and so forth. Yeah. And he was saying he said uh, he goes yeah he goes you could put a man in the suit right he goes you definitely could do that but what you can't do is change uh, the joints from the elbows, I mean, from the shoulder to the elbows, elbow to the wrist, because everything on, on, on this creature was not in proportion to a human proportion. You know, the hips to the exactly. knees, the knees, the knees to the ankles, you know, all that was way off, you know. so That's what I mean. There's so much that, you know, is very believable about it. Right. It's just, I wish we had, you know, it had the technology or, you know, was modern enough that we could prove it one way or the other with the, uh, you know, modern uh, film diagnostic equipment that we have. Right. And then it has breasts. I mean, who would think it's a right, breast? Right, definitely on it, female. Know? Yeah, I mean, who would Which think? Which is a detail way too much for you know guys to go through, you know, just to create a hoax. Two and two poor farmers, you know, uh, ranchers, uh, and you know, and one, you know, one of the highlights of my life was was I got the chance to meet Bob Gimlin a couple of years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to meet him. And he's like one of the nicest people you'll, you'll ever meet. And I'm like, man, there's no way this guy is lying. You know, after all these years, like for years and years and years, he never really came out and talked about it. You know? I'm sure. Yeah, because I'm sure there would be some newspaper uh, or magazine that would offer him a fortune to say, you know, just to say this is fake. Because, you know, the magazine would love to have that kind of a scoop. So, you yeah. know, he's been offered money to say it's Oh, fake. he has been. He hasn't. Yeah. Yeah, he, I think it was someone offered him like a million dollars at one time, and he said no. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what's great, is that the people who have these experiences, are li- it's life-changing experiences, and they're not going to be swayed just because you don't believe in it. Right. Um, so while we're talking about that, what are your thoughts on, on, on people who turn in evidence whether they have something really on film or not or, or on pictures, but it's so bad and it's so uh, just out of focus and grainy. Should people put that out as evidence? I'm of the philosophy that 
if you put out a million pieces of evidence that when it's all gets combined, it'll create one surefire piece of evidence. Okay. So I am completely fine with putting out the very blurry, the very, you know, shadowed pieces of evidence because as you're sifting through everything, you could, it'll help centralize and help fine tune what you are actually looking for. Okay. So if you see a shadow and you see eyes in the shadow, then if you're looking in the next shadow, you can try and see if you can see the same kind of eyes. Right. If you do, then that's something you can focus on for all of the different photos. So I think that posting everything that you have is the best course of action. Okay. And I agree with you on, on that. Um, I don't agree on posting one picture, however. I'd like to see multiple pictures. Oh, definitely. Can, you know, at least two or three. That way you can see movement if there is movement. Um, I do have an issue with just grainy and blown up pictures. And, uh, and again, I'm not calling anyone liars. But if you're going to put that out there, you have to have thick skin. You have to have the thick skin. Yes. You know, um, you know. Well, unfortunately, and, yeah. unfortunately, history has shown that many people who broadcast their experiences are ridiculed and they definitely ain't making money for it. Like right. the famous uh, Kelly Hopkinsville goblins, the little green men, the incident right. where, you know, the family, you know, had three hour standoff with aliens, you know, that right. landed in their farm people kept coming into their property wanting to visit the area where the UFO landed and these people, you know, were firing their rifles at it. It got right. to the point right. that the family was actually charging them money. But the minute they did that, the town turned on them. Mm -hmm. So they didn't make any money and actually got ridiculed to the point where they had to move. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So it, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, the better evidence is not going to get turned in because of fear. Right. Yeah, it's either going to be too too blurry to make anything out of it, or it's going to be too good to be true, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's talking about a gentleman that uh, that me and him got into an argument because he took a picture. He took two pictures, and he said, like, he's like, look, you can see movement from one picture to the other. I'm like, dude, that can be pixelation, you know, pixelization, you know? Oh, absolutely. But he took the picture from 800 yards away. 800 yards away. That's half a mile away. Yeah. That's almost half a mile. I, I, I did the math. It's 0.46 miles. You're not going to take a picture of anything 0.46 miles away and tell me that, that that's a Bigfoot. No. <laughs> you know, I'll, how huge would it have to be for you to see it? You know, this is true. You know, 50 feet tall, you know. Uh, so, yeah, we, we got into a bit of an argument. And, but see, the, even that has, has some benefits because it, it allows you to create perimeters of what is acceptable. Right. right. But if people don't post that, they can say, oh, yeah, 800, you know, 800 feet away is perfectly fine. And then when you see it, then you, then you can decide, oh, no, this is not going to be fine. Then you can be more specific about what is going to be qualified proof. Right. Yeah. And it's definitely going to be closer than 800 feet. Yards. Yards, even worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, because uh, going out as much as I do, uh, I've got a lot of audio. And if I turned everything in that I thought was a Bigfoot or this is a Bigfoot, I would be laughed out of the community, you know? Um, so I, I, I think if you, if you were, I wouldn't be doing anyone any good. 
You know what I'm saying? I definitely wouldn't be doing the field any, any favors by turning in mediocre evidence. That but I bet I you sifted go... through all of it, and now by sifting through all of it, you've picked out the gems, the most supportive parts, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So that's the benefit. Yeah, and and that's what I release, I guess you could say, you know, to the you know, to everyone is the good is a really really good quality stuff, and or at least what I consider good quality stuff, and uh, you know, like I said, me and Walter, man, we go out all the time, and we and we'll. We'll uh we'll share stuff and here's my my buddy big dog uh Felipe uh, here you know I'll share with I'll share him some stuff and stuff I don't share with anybody else and he's 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 heard some pretty good stuff from me and, uh, uh but I just don't release it you know just because it's like it's it's I don't want to saturate the field with crappy audio you know right and but yeah. that but that's what I mean. You've gone through so much stuff that yeah. you actually do know what's crappy and what's good stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, it's mostly uh, other people who take one or two shots. They don't know that, you know, what they saw with their own eyes is not what right. they're seeing with their camera. Right. And, and again, you know, I hope I'm not, I'm not offending anyone because that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, uh, sending me pictures of wood structures. Thank you, Walter. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to show it on the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, um, you know, we just uh, try to go out there and try to get good, good, good evidence and present that. And uh, like I said, man, we sift through. I still have audio. I probably got about 50 hours of audio I haven't even gone through yet. You know, uh, I'm going out this weekend again. So, you know, it was my backlog. But every now and then we'll go through something, man. We'll catch something really good. Like, man, did you hear this crowd? Did you hear this? Uh, just howl or scream or something like that, you know. It's always fun to you know, listen to. Yeah, our latest uh, podcast was about the Grassman, which is basically Ohio's version of Bigfoot. And Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga uh, Falls uh, State Park, there was two howls that were recorded in that area that are just amazing because you can hear the cars in the background and you can hear the howling of something out there and something howling back. Which is amazing. Okay. Okay. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Um, have Have you had any kind of UFO sightings? I, I don't know if you, if you said that or not. But well, like I said, um, my brother and aunt saw it, and I missed it. But uh, no, I have not. Okay. So, um, several years ago, man, it was probably a good twenty years ago. I was out. I was out fishing with someone in Galveston. We're on the jetties. And uh, man, I, uh, he he points up to me and he says, "Hey, Joe, look!" And he points up to my left, and I look up, and there's this freaking round craft just floating right above us. I mean, it, it was probably 300 feet above us. A professional baseball player probably could hit it with a baseball, you know. Okay. Um, but it was a typical uh, spacecraft that you see, like beaming up the cow or the person that's got the little dome on on, on the bottom. Okay. You know? it, it was it was that typical craft just cruising right above us. You know, ever so slowly, no noise, no lights, no wavering. I mean, it was perfectly still, just barely moving, just right above us. Um, several, well, I won't say several, maybe three or four miles down the way, there's a private airstrip for the smaller planes coming in. And you can hear them suckers coming in, just, just buzzing away, you know. This thing was right above us, made, made no noise. So then what do you think about the uh, new policy of releasing information on UFOs by the government and the Air Force? I think it's a good policy. However, they're they're still themselves not saying this is not us. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, so. Uh, but do you think they're releasing everything or do you oh, think they're no. just releasing enough to make it look like they're releasing stuff? They're just trying to satisfy certain people, I think, and just, you know, here you go. Here's some crumbs. We'll throw you some crumbs. Yeah, but they're not going to tell us what they have or what they've caught or if they're in communication with other worlds. Like, you know, there's you, you hear that all the time, too, that the government's been in cahoots with alien races or whatever. Um, so they're definitely not going to tell you that. But I, I think those and – and then, again, you know, the, the video that they show is grainy video, you know. Yep. You know, so, you know, and, and then some of the documents they have, they're redacted. You know, they got the big black marks going through them, you know. So, you know, I, I, I really don't need the government to tell me that there's UFOs or other life that come to visit us. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I guess it's a good thing. <laughs> I, I guess it's a good thing, and I, I, I guess they're, they're – they're, do it to to a certain degree to say, hey, look, we are trying to show you guys this, but you know what we have, you know. But uh, it's the same thing with the Bigfoot thing, and uh, you know they're not going to tell you that it exists. And I don't know if they necessarily care either, really. You know, uh, they they care enough to keep it quiet, but um, you know, you know, who, who knows why they don't want people to know about Bigfoot? You know, uh, I guess one of the theories out there is that. If, if it's some kind of a human, it has human rights now, you know, and anywhere they have logging and or uh, construction, they got to halt all that stuff, you know. And so maybe money is the bottom line. Money is what makes the world go around. So, yeah. But it does get interesting with what they do release. And, and you know, it is just the tip of the iceberg of yeah. what is actually there in Project Blue Book and, right. you know, the warehouse and area 51 and all of that kind of stuff yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's pretty cool As a matter of fact about a month ago now maybe a month and a half ago me and walter were we're at his house he lives out near the same use of force as a matter of fact we saw these these two lights we, we came outside i was getting ready to go home i was getting ready to leave and i looked up and i saw these two lights coming at each other like that i'm like what the hell are these you know and they got real close to each other and when they got like that it just made they just started going in circles Okay. And then they took off one, one, one direction, one went the other. I mean, there have been, I mean, UFO stories existed even before, you know, the 1900s. There was, you know, the Battle of the Lights, uh, mm -hmm. which yeah. is, was in a lithogram. You know, mm -hmm. they actually, you know, drew a picture of the light battles of, you know, cert lights circling around each other. So even ancient civilizations saw these kind of moving lights and didn't know what they were. Yeah, and there, there are drawings and paintings of things in the sky when they were in an era where nothing other than a bird should have been in the sky, you know. And definitely wouldn't have been lit up like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty cool stuff, man. I, I really like doing all this stuff and learning and getting knowledge and hearing stories from different people, you know. It's, it's yeah, that's my favorite part as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've, I've been lucky to meet some great people, you know, in this field, you know. Walter, you know, I would never met Walter if it wasn't for Bigfoot. I would never met, you know, Big Dog wasn't for Bigfoot, you know. And I got some really good friends uh, that I never would have met if it wasn't for, you know, the paranormal and UFOs. And uh, yeah. Big Dog, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff looking for Bigfoot. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of crazy stories himself, you know. Um, I think when you get out in the woods, man, you start seeing crazy stuff. And like I said, you know, some of the best people I've met. I guess other people call them weird. 
Well, those are you the know, best people to have me friends with. Yeah, I mean, those are the best people, man. I, I've got a really, really great friend now, man, who, who's into the UFO field, man. And I, I can't imagine, you know, not being uh, friends with this person. So it, 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 it's really cool, you know. Um, yeah, why would you want boring friends? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, last week on last week's show, I had one of my coworkers who had a uh, he doesn't call them near death experience. He says, "No, I died. <laughs> I died twice." Okay. You know, so he doesn't call them near death experience. He's no, I was, I was on the other side. You know, I was dead. Uh, you know, and uh, he wouldn't have told me any of this story if it wasn't for the fact that I came out and talked to him about you know all the crazy stuff that I did. Well, and, like we uh, said, most of the time people get ridiculed for that kind of thing. Right. So when yeah. people like you and I are out there that want to hear these stories and want to you know, give them a safe place to voice their stories, tell their side of what they experience. It opens it up for them. It gives them something that they can feel safe at and tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, like you're saying, you know, people come up to you and talk to you and uh, that, that, that you wouldn't have expected, you know, there was, there was a time when I didn't talk about this openly. I didn't necessarily hide it, but I didn't talk about it openly. Now everyone and their mama knows what I do and talk about, and it it just makes it so much more fun for me, you know. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, I, I've gone places and talked to people and gotten the stories I would have never gotten. You know, um, I had a guy make a decal for my truck one day, and when I went to go pick it up, he was like, "Hey, what's going on with this Bigfoot?" You know, and uh, I told him that I go out and look for Bigfoot researching, and he started telling me stories about his family that you know they had Bigfoot on their property and. They'll come up in the middle of the night and look at look into their windows and stuff, you know. Wow. So, yeah, that's it it pretty cool, man. You know? And that's why I like social media as well, because I mean, now it, it's not just localized like I used to get. Now, I mean, yeah. I have an email that people anywhere in the world you can reach yeah. me at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I've been lucky enough. I've talked to people from the UK, from Australia, Ireland oh. on this show. So yeah, it, it, it's fun, man. You get to connect and just make new, new friends and. The majority of the people you come across are really great people, you know. Yeah, and not yeah. the crazy tinfoil hat-wearing people that yeah. is stereotyped. These are yeah. average people who have had extraordinary experiences. Yeah. And Walter, I asked Walter one time about, you know, going out. He he said he probably would never gone out or, or continue to go out if I hadn't dragged him along. So now, he, now he's hooked. This guy goes out all the time now looking and setting up recorders and uh, even one of his friends now can't wait for us to go out. They want to hang out with us too, so it's it's, it's pretty fun. Good. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Hey, tell us a little bit more about your podcast before we go away and tell people how to find your stuff, man. Okay. Well, it's called Within the Mist Podcast. Uh, what we do is we pick a different cryptid, uh, ghost, or other mystery each week. And I provide background information on the subject, different stories of the encounters. Then we go over the possible theories of both negative and positive, and then leave it open for our listeners to make the decisions on what they listen to. Right. Some of the subject areas we've gone over include the skunk ape, Robert the doll, Bloody Mary, um, the Greenbrier ghost. Uh, so we've been kind of bouncing around between ghosts and cryptids, mainly because cryptids is my favorite, and but my wife is a horror writer. And oh, she's nice. actually been published. So the ghosts are more of her forte. Yeah. So we're kind of trying to cover the entire spectrum. That's cool. 
Where can they find her books if people are interested in looking for her books? Um, it, they're, they are on Amazon. Her name is Goldie Ann Brand. Or you can go to the Within the Mist uh, podcast page, and there's a link to her books there. Are you guys on YouTube also? Uh, we just started uploading all of our podcasts uh, onto YouTube. It's our, our hope that we'll be able to start adding original uh, contact. Like when we go to visit locations, we want to start adding those videos as well. So that's kind of on the bucket list for 2022. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually have another podcast I'm going to come up with. Uh, it, it's uh, it has nothing to do with cryptids and stuff like that. It's coming kind of personal. <laughs> I'll tell you about it when we, when we get off the air here. But uh, uh yeah, man. But dude, thanks a lot for joining the show, man. I appreciate it. You did a great job, man. And if I can ever help you out, my first yeah. time. Yeah, if I can ever help you out, man, let me know. Um, go to my, I, I, I've got the Beyond the Woodline fan page and the Beyond the Woodline uh, podcast page. You can, the fan page would probably be better. That's where I have more people, so you can okay. join that. And if you want to post your stuff, man, go ahead. You know, share whatever you want to share over there. Yeah, our fan page, uh, what we basically do is, uh, I'm a, I have an app, it's called Every Day's a Holiday. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I look at that, like today's Veterans Day. So we did a post about the five most haunted battlefield locations. So each day I try and post something that's connected to the holiday of the day. Oh, nice. Yeah, like uh, tomorrow is actually the anniversary of the very first photo of the Loch Ness Monster. Really? Yes, awesome, not the surgeon man. photo, not the famous surgeon photo, but the very okay. first photo ever taken of the Loch Ness monster. Okay. The anniversary is tomorrow. Dude, join my uh, my fan page and post that. That'd be very cool. Absolutely, I will make yeah. sure I do that as soon as we get yeah. off here. And uh, everyone else, thanks for participating in the chat room. And uh, yes. Walter, I know you're a veteran, so thank you for your service, brother. And Gary, thank you again. And for your service and everyone else, all the veterans out there, thank you very much. I appreciate it, everything you've done, all the sacrifices you guys have made. And that will end it. And good night, everybody. And Gary, hold on one second. Not a problem.